you, Pastor. I think I must start with thanking Pastor. He is always so faithful to let each one of us grow in our gifts and talents. And it's not an easy thing to share the pulpit, so thank you, Pastor, for doing that. We are blessed and lucky here at First Assembly to have a wonderful, wonderful leadership group. I asked Rob to play the song, God, You've Been So, So Good. That's my song. God has been so good to me. My life has been blessed abundantly, far more than I have ever deserved. I walk in blessings and favor because my God loves me. Not because I'm worthy. Not because I did anything to deserve it. Not because I work my fingers to a bone serving him. None of that has anything to do with the fact he loves me. As human beings, we often have to earn the love and affection that is given to us. We often have to be deserving of love and affection. And sometimes that can skew our thoughts and feelings with God. There is no earning the love of the Lord. He loved you from the beginning of time. He created you to love and serve and worship Him. That is why you are created. Everything else is a calling. Recently, this, this past six months, the counseling office has been flooded with people in our church, with people out of our church, with people in our community that are hurting, that are broken, that have been treated unfairly, that have been attacked, that have been neglected, abandoned, and dropped. I've seen a lot of tears. I've seen a lot of weeping. I've seen a lot of grieving. And so I thought today, I'm going to bring to you the messages that I've shared with them, with each and every one. Because we all need to know how to comfort people, right? We all need to know how to strengthen one another. We should be on the lookout for the person that can't look you in the eyes. We should be on the lookout for the person with the tears welling in their eyes. We should watch body language and facial language and see when somebody is grieving and hurting. And then as Christians, we should go and share the love of the Lord with them. So in times of great distress, in times when the world is falling apart, what do we do? If we don't have the Lord, where do we find our comfort? Where do we find our strength? Because we are but humans. My husband likes to remind me, baby, I'm but a man. We're human beings, right? So we have to draw our strength from a well. Where do you draw your strength? What well do you go to? And do you go there every day to drink? If you do not spend alone, intimate time with the Father on a daily basis, you will become weak. You will have moments when you're so tired you can't do it anymore. The only way to have strength is through the Lord, being in contact with the Lord, your Father God. I grew up with no father. I grew up always wanting a father. I looked for a father my whole life. I tried really, really, really hard to make my biological father, my biological 
father and my daddy. And it wouldn't work. It didn't work. You can't put a square, a square round peg through a square hole. And so I always felt like my life was missing something. I always wanted a daddy. I always wanted somebody that would love me no matter what. My life became complete when I found my daddy, when I found my father. And he was no earthly man. My father's in heaven above. He loves me and he gave me life. He loves me like only he can love me. I am complete and whole, and I found my identity in my relationship with the Lord. It's the only place you can find a real identity. It's the only place you can find the truth. Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. What does be still mean? Be quiet. Spend alone quiet time with me and know that I am your father. Know that I am your God and know that I have your whole world in my hand and I am ready to take care of it for you if you will come to me. That's what the Lord would say to you. If you will come to me. The word of God promises if we seek him, we will find him. Right? That's a promise we can stand on. If we're seeking, you will find. Stress hits from all kinds of different angles. It can be work. It can be your best friends. It can be your not best friends. It can be from all different avenues. And it can even come from your church family. That's possible too, right? We hurt each other without even knowing we're hurting each other, right? Pastor and I just had a talk about offense and how people will get offended and walk away and maybe never even tell you how you offended them. Maybe not even give you a chance to make it right. They may just walk away. And so we have to be very, very careful. We're not stepping on each other and offending each other, right? Unbearable stress can turn to distress. Distress. How do we know when somebody's in distress? When we're past the point of, oh, I'm having a bad day and I'm under stress. Distress is, I can't take any more. You see the face. You can see the body language. Sometimes people are crying or shaking, but when they come to you and say, I can't take anymore. If one more thing lands in my lap, I'm done. In those moments, in those moments of unbearable stress, we our fight and flight tendencies kick in. So either we want to start a big old commotion and have it out with somebody to get rid of all that negativity and stress. Have you ever had somebody do that to you? Come pick a fight and won't let off until you have a fight with them? Follow you around for that fight. Because they have stress they're looking to dump. That doesn't always mean you're really the cause of the stress. You may just be the whipping post that gets the stress. Anybody ever been there? I hear you laughing, right? So if you're not fighting and you're wanting to flight, you run. You back up from everybody. This is when we hear that, oh, I think I was supposed to go to the altar, but I didn't. Oh, I should have reached out and talked to somebody. I should have. You know, in my gut, I felt like I should go to Patsy and say, couldn't you pray for me? I had a feeling that I should call pastor and talk to him. 
I had a feeling I should make an appointment with the counselor and sit down and go over it all. But no, I can handle it. It's okay. And instead of getting help, instead of asking your brothers and sisters in Christ, this is your family, and instead of asking for help, we isolate and shut down. And we go hide. And we don't tell anybody what's going on. We don't share. We don't talk. And then what happens? How much support do you get? How can we be successful without support? How can we be successful without somebody saying, Billy, I got you. I'm praying for you. That back is healed and whole, and I know it is, and we're going to keep praying till it is. Now, isn't there something to that? Doesn't that just stir up your faith? I talked to a gentleman Sunday. By chance, we bumped into each other. And he shared some concerns over wanting to repair a relationship with some adult children. And I shared with him what I just shared with you guys. I never really had a daddy. Well, a couple years ago, the Lord brought me and my father together, and we reconciled, and we have a great relationship now. He made that healed and whole. So I can be quiet and not tell anybody about that. Or I, can, or I can talk with the gentleman whose his heart is grieving and he's worried about his kids and say, no, God is no respecter of persons. He did it for me. I just talked to my daddy yesterday. You, your kids are going to talk to you too. And I'm going to pray for you that every time something great happens, your kids can't wait to get on the phone and call you and tell you about it. If he'll do it for me, he'll do it for you. And if I share with you that he did it for me, then your hope and your faith rises, right? And you're not in it alone. God never meant for you to sit in your attacks, in your pain, or in the circumstances you're in alone. God said he's with you. And God brought you to the family of the Lord so that you would be supported and strengthened and helped and prayed for. Right? And then if you're going to do it for me, I'm going to do it for you. Then we'll be a real family, right? There's unity in that. There's strength in unity. We don't have to handle all the stress ourselves. God calls on us to rest in him. 1 Peter 5, 7, Peter says, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Casting all your fear. Do you know that casting is a verb? You actually have to do it. Guys, you have to do it. It is active. You have to exercise your faith. I often talk in the counseling office about the conveyor belt that's connected between you and the Lord. We have a tendency to take things back. God heals you. God gives you reconciliation to that thing that's hurting you. And then a month later, oops, it's back in your lap again. How'd that happen? So what do you do? You put it on the conveyor belt and you send it right back up to the Lord. I'm sorry, God, I took that back. I'm giving it right back to you. Conveyor belt. Put it right back on there and send it back to the Lord every time it troubles your mind. There's freedom in that. The Lord doesn't want us to carry it around. I shared with someone just the other day, if we don't defend ourselves, if I don't rear up and throw dukes as soon as somebody comes at me, if I'm not defending me, guess who is? Guess who defends me? My father. God will defend you. How often has somebody said something that wasn't right about you? Doesn't that happen to all of us? And then we want to go, oh, no, no, that's not me here. I got proof. Let me show you. First thing we start doing is going for proof when someone accuses us, right? 
I challenge you, if you will get out of the way and not defend yourself, the Lord will defend you. You know who I'm talking to? The Lord will defend you. Jesus describes peacefulness that we receive when we spend time with him and learning from him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That is a promise, a promise you can stand on. I will give you rest. Have you ever been tired? This scripture is written in the front of my Bible. And oftentimes it will get written across my mirror in the bathroom. Come to me. I will give you rest. Again, come to me as a verb. Come. You have to do something. You can't just lay down on the floor and have a pity party and woe is me. I believe God still loves us when we do that. But I believe he's waiting for us to get up and go run into him so that he can put his mighty hand on whatever the situation is that's making you cry and solve it. If you cast, if you run to him, if you do the verb part. Take my yoke upon and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest in your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Do you know what that means? Back in the olden days, we used to yoke a big oxen, big strong oxen, with the young little weak ones that don't know what they're doing. They would bind them together. They would bind them together. So the young, stupid, weak one can't run off in the wrong direction. The strong, solid oxen leads, carries the extra burden for the weaker one. That's what the Lord does for us when we go to him. He says, no problem. We're the young, foolish ones. We're the dumb ones. We're the ones that want to stray. The Lord says, take my yoke. It's light. It's an easy burden. Because he's carrying all the hard, heavy weight. All we're doing is strapping ourselves as tight to him as we can and following him. Following him. Follow is a verb. You have to do something to follow somebody, guys. Most of all, the Father wants us to know him, to know his wants, to know his wills, to know his heart, to know what concerns him. How do we learn someone? How do we know someone? By spending time with them, by listening to their heart. You can do that in the word of God. You can do that in prayer. You can do that just getting still and quiet with the Lord. If I'm always talking, it becomes exceptionally hard for me to hear. Does that make sense? Um, We used to have a pastor that would say you have, what is it, Kurt, two ears and one mouth? So you can listen twice as much as you can talk? Notice I got that in with my husband. Right, baby? If we will get still and quiet, the Lord will speak to us. But if we're... That's what I want, Lord. Thank you. God bless. Amen. By the power of Jesus, I believe it. I'm out. We're giving him a laundry list. We're giving him a grocery list. I want you to A, B, C, D, E. Thank you. Give me a good day. That's not spending time with him, is it? That's not knowing him, is it? That's not the time you want to spend with your kids or your grandkids, is it? I don't like it when my grandkids come to me with a list of what they want at Toys R Us. 
I like it when they crawl up in my lap and they want to spend time with me and they just tell me they love me, right? The Lord wants that too. And that's where we find our peace. That's where we find our strength. That's where we find our recharging. Too many people, too many people come needing help, are broken and hurt. And the first thing I say is, how's your prayer language? Um, Pastor prayed Sunday and I said, amen. Too many people come hurting, broken, and they say, how's your Bible time? Oh, pastor read that scripture. Um, Billy gave me about five scriptures, and I wrote them down. I got it all. I'm good. That's my Bible for the week. That does not work. That does not work. Now, that might have worked 50 years ago when times were a little easier. Have you guys noticed? Every day, this world is getting harder. Every day, there's new attacks, new schemes. We, co- we, we hear things that are happening now that are attacking the church that we have never seen before. And new things are coming tomorrow and the day after and the day after and the day after. We better get right and we better get ready. We're in battle, guys. When there's an accurate understanding of the Heavenly Father and a firm belief in His care, we will be able to walk through the worst of circumstances with an inner quietness and a genuine confidence. I used to tease and joke, there's this song called, I Am Blessed. And it says, I am blessed beyond belief. I am blessed, I am blessed, I am blessed. And I've always claimed that as the song over my life. I'm probably one of the most blessed people you ever meet. I kind of get my way a lot, don't I? Um, I I have a really good friend that will call me and say, can you use that beeper to Jesus because I need this and can you pray to him? Because my prayers get answered a lot. I'm not bragging except for on my father. I can't breathe without my Jesus. I can't live without my daddy. I can't walk or stand up straight or bring anything to you or anybody else unless I've spent time on my face with the Lord. That brings you a blessed life. God doesn't love me any more than he loves any one of you. There's nothing special about me. I spend time with my Lord, and before I come up off that ground, I say, I am yours. I give myself away so you can use me. What do you want today? Before I leave the house, what do you want today? Before I enter that counseling office, what do you want today? Because I want what you want. Let's go. I'm ready. If you do that, blessings will chase you down, knock you over, and overwhelm you. Kurt's told me several times, you need to start writing this stuff down because nobody believed it. We still hurt. We still cry. We still have really, really good friends that come up and knife us in the back and break our hearts. All the same things happen to us. The word says it rains on the righteous and the unrighteous, right? Just and unjust. It rains on me too. What's the difference? I have power because the Holy Spirit takes me through everything. Just like you, right? So by the power of the Lord, we can fight anything together. Anything. There's nothing that can destroy your marriage. 
There is nothing that can destroy your children or your home. There is nothing that can destroy your testimony. There is nothing that can come against you that God hasn't seen, doesn't know about, and doesn't know the answer to it. So if we stand in that faith, we are powerfully blessed. Amen? Fruits of the Spirit are a hard thing. So let's talk about that hard thing real quick. So Hebrews 13, 6 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. That's the one everybody hates. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against there is no law. That's Galatians 5, 22 and 23. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear. What can man do to me? Hebrews 13, 6. So the fruits of the Spirit come after you exercise your verbs of getting close to the Lord, correct? If you are a Christian and you spend time with the Lord and you have a real relationship, where is your fruit? What did the Lord say about the tree that bared no fruit? Anybody remember? That's right, Gary. Curse that tree. Where's your fruit? Your fruit should show every day. There is no excuse not to walk in the fruit of love. Now, for a quick minute, I might have used menopause as an excuse, but I'm over that. God's rectified it. I'm on it now. Promise, baby. Promise. Sometimes struggles can be so heavy. You're not sure if you can take it. You're not sure if you can stand through it. Sometimes a loss can be so big that it hurts so deep that you cry a little longer than you expected. Cry. Feel what you feel. I say this all the time in the counseling office. Don't hold back. Feel what you feel. Feel through what you feel. Because if you don't, you will relive it. You will repeat it. Feel what you're feeling through the moment. Communicate your feelings to the people in your life that are in your inner circle. Let me share a warning about communicating your feelings to the people in your inner circle. Let's make sure our inner circle is trustworthy. Let's make sure, before we say anything and we go, Oh, but don't tell nobody. Let's make sure that person really is trustworthy before you say it. Not everybody you trust is trustworthy. Not everybody that promises you they're going to keep their mouth shut keeps their mouth shut. It's funny how it always has a way of coming back to you what people say about you, though. Right? That's an attack. When you hear somebody else mouthing and saying things about you that you know are not true, Drop it. Don't hold on to it. Don't bury it in your heart. Don't file it in your mind. Don't hold on to it. If you know it's not true, do not take that offense. Let the Lord fight your battles. The truth always comes out. Sometimes the battles get so hard. And has anybody ever had an experience like this? This, this just went, we, Kurt and I just went through this season. 
It was like one bang after another bang after another bang after another bang. We've had 11 deaths in our family in a year and a half. 11. That's kind of a lot. Um, we sold our business. We sold our home. There's been a lot of changes. Um, two very, 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 very dear close friends to us terribly, terribly, terribly hurt us. Backstabbing, terrible, terrible hurt. I wasn't sure I was going to get over it. I spent a lot of time on my face with my father. And guys, it was one of those moments where I wasn't sure I could forgive. Am I the only one in here that's ever felt like that? Have you ever had a minute where you were like, this is so big, I'm not sure I can forgive you for this one. It hurts a little too much. I'm a little too mad and I can't get over it. The wisest woman I have ever met, Dr. Mitzi, taught me a very, very long time ago, when forgiveness is too hard for me, and I just, I'm not able and I can't do it, every day I pray, Lord, Father, God, in heaven above, I give you permission to fill my heart with your forgiveness. I give you permission to put your forgiveness in my heart, because this is too big for me. And I want to be obedient to you because you told me to forgive. It's bigger than me. It's too hard. I'm too hurt. I need your help. Ask. Because if you seek him, you will find him. If it's too hard to forgive, ask God to put the forgiveness in your heart. And these two people I'm talking about that were in my inner circle that I thought should be in my inner circle that we found out the very painful hard way they weren't supposed to be. I remember telling you not too long ago, that's it, I'm done. No more friends. Me and you, baby. Me, you, and Jesus, that's it. That's all I need. Everybody else, out. Get out, get out, get out. I'm done. And guess what? Right here, right now, in this moment, four of the best friends of my entire life are sitting right here, supporting me tonight because they love me. I can't thank you guys enough. I can't thank you guys enough. I have faith in friendship. I have faith in love because of you and you and you and you. Thank you. You're my gifts from God. That's friendship for a lifetime. I am forever thankful and blessed because of you. Thank you. Has anybody ever heard that? No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Don't we go around saying that a lot? Isn't that like really common scripture? No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I believe that scripture. But I believe we need to check ourselves and make sure we are not the weapon forming against ourselves that's making us not prosper. Do you get what I'm saying with that? Watch what comes out of your mouth. Because if I'm backbiting and gossiping and then I come looking for the favor of the Lord, what's going to happen? If I'm not being truthful, if I'm being envious... If I'm being jealous, if I have rage and envy, if, if I have evil and, and hatred and anger in me. Oh, here's this one. I'm so sick, I'm going to die. Really? You're going to claim that over your life? How about, I may be sick right now, but I'm covered by the blood of Jesus and by his stripes I am healed. Power of death and life, blessing and curses is in your tongue. 
And it is unbelievable the things I hear people saying about themselves. It is unbelievable. Oh, I'm so stupid. Oh, I'm just such an idiot. Shouldn't have done that. Well, you're just claiming over your life you're dumb. Well, well, maybe that's going to lead to Alzheimer's. Let's be careful. Let's be careful what we're calling in over our lives. Because if you're saying you have anxiety, guess what? If you're saying you're so depressed you can't get out of bed, guess what? Romans 4 and 17 says, call things that are not as though they are. So I am speaking to you today, and I'm giving you the most powerful bit of information I can give you. Watch what comes out of your lips. Watch the words you're saying. Women, especially women, be careful when we're all together. Be careful when the little groups of women get started. It happens with guys, too, but us women seem to be a little bit more free with our lips. There's the motor's a little faster. We have to be careful that what we're saying is speaking life over each other and our own lives. We have to speak life over our marriages. We have to speak life over our children and our children's children. I lay hands on my animals, and I speak life and healing in my animals. Our little dog just needed surgery just, just a couple days ago. Got down the floor, anointed that baby, and prayed for her. And guess what? She's limping, but she's walking. God is concerned about everything that concerns us, right? Blessings and curses are in our tongue. How many times have we started to talk and go, oh, can't say that. Can't say that. It's a curse, and I'm not going to claim it on my life. Claim blessings on your marriage. Claim blessings on your home, your animals, your car. Linda Orr, I can't get out of this place without her walking up and putting her hand on my car and playing praying blessings on it and, and calling it as safe and my tires won't wear out. Well, you know what's funny? That's what it is. She just prayed Tuesday that the tires wouldn't wear out of my car. And I drove over here yesterday, and my indicator says I have 13 pounds of pressure of air in my tire. And I go home and tell Kurt, and he's like, that's not possible, Denise. It'd be flat. You wouldn't be driving it. I'm like, I'm telling you that's what it's saying. It's Linda Orr. She's been praying air in them tires. That's what it is. Be careful what you speak. Exercise your verbs. Do it. You want to be closer to God? Move. Mind your own business. Nobody likes it when I say that in the counseling office. Before we get involved in anything, let's ask, is this my business? Does my nose belong in it? (gasps) No. Then I'm going to be still and be silent and get out of this. And I'll just pray for you and whatever you're in. God bless it. You know what it is. I love it when I hear these prayer requests. Hi, I'm Sue, and God knows the need. Can you just pray for me? That's all we really need to know, isn't it? God bless Sue. You know what she needs. Give it to her. Then there's no gossip, right? If it's not your business, don't get involved. If you're standing around other people that are talking about somebody else's business, you know the best thing to do? Excuse yourself. This is not my business, and I don't want to be caught up in gossip. God bless you. I'm going to go pray for them. I'm not going to stand here and talk about it. Hold on to your peace. If something comes at you and it costs you your inner peace, it is not worth it. 
I let go of jobs, friends, hobbies, I, volunteer positions, because it cost me my inner peace. Nothing is more valuable than your inner peace. Don't give it away so freely. Hold on to it with both hands and don't release it. Watch out for what enters your gates. Does everybody know what a gate is? Eye gates, ear gates, mouth gates, touch gates. Did you know touch is a gate? We need to be careful what we're viewing. We need to be careful what we're hearing, what we're watching, what we're listening to, what we're reading. You will become the books you read. The music you listen to sinks into your soul. Did you know that? Did you know music enters into a different area of your brain and sinks into your soul? When Kurt and I first got together and we were new Christians, there was this song that he really liked the tune of it. He's a music man, I'm not, so he gets that the music part's important, and I get that the words on the screen are what's important. Um, but there was a song that had a really good beat and really nice guitar in it, and he loved it. But there was, in the, qu- in the chorus of it, it would say, I'm crazy, I'm going crazy, I'm crazy, I'm going crazy, I'm crazy, I'm going crazy. And I heard him singing it, and I thought, oh, what are you listening to? That has got to come off your iPod. Got to come off your iPod. You can't listen to that. You can't sing that. Don't ever sing that again. And see, there's that face. He thought it was crazy, but it's not on your iPod. When you sing, when you sing, you are holy, you are holy, you are holy, you are holy. The Holy Spirit comes into your presence like that. When you sing, I'm going down, I'm crazy, I hate you, guess what comes into your presence like that? Who do you want in your presence? It's a choice. Everything I'm saying to you tonight is telling you this is a choice. It's a lifestyle. Everybody wants to say, oh, we don't diet anymore. Now it's a lifestyle change. It's still diet. I don't get donuts. You want a lifestyle change? Change the time you spend with God. Change who you're hanging out with. Change who you're talking to. Change the music you're listening to. Everybody on this planet seemed to get Game of Thrones crazy here real recently. And I didn't know what that nonsense was, so I talked to my son. I'm like, what is the GOT? What is this nonsense? And he put it on my TV, and in like 20 minutes, I'm like, turn it off! I can't watch somebody doing it. Oh, who's watching that? Everybody on this planet with Game of Thrones crazy. The violence, the sex, the language, the rape, the offenses, the nastiness that is in Game of Thrones is dangerous. And most of our country was addicted to it. What does that say about where we are? Not long ago, Kurt and I turned off our TV because even the commercials are pornographic. Weren't we just talking about this the other day? Somebody. Hardee's. Have you seen the new Hardee's commercial? They're using sex to sell cheeseburgers. Even the commercials are pornographic. And that's not only entering our eye gates, it's entering our children and our grandchildren's eye gates, is it not? We have to protect eye gates, ear gates, mouth gates, and touch. If it's not of God, don't put your hand on it. 
If it's not of God, don't listen to it. If it's not of God, don't read it. It's been one attack after another for two weeks, has it not? Ever, the moment I started writing, the moment God gave me the first scripture, it has been one attack after another. All right, let me close with this because this is the important stuff. Watch your gates, guys. Don't watch it. Don't read it. Don't look at it if it's not of God. Romance novels, I need to hit that. So many women read romance novels. And then they come to me in the counseling office disenchanted with their men. My man doesn't know nothing about romance. Well, my man don't kiss me like that. Well, my man, mm, that's so boring. I've heard more nonsense. And then I say, oh, wait a minute. Are you reading romance novels? Oh, yeah, there was this really good one. Mm. Well, you're comparing a real lot, a real live man, with something that's make-believe in a book. Don't read them. Don't read them. Don't read them. There are Christian ones. I'm, I don't really, I'm not really an advocate for those either. Let's live in real life. Let's not compare our husbands or our wives to something that's make-believe. That also applies to porn, just for the record. Yes, I went to sex. Porn is the same way. If you watch porn and then you want to have relations with your other, guess what? It's robbing some of your blessings. True fact, guys. Don't like it? Talk to Jesus. I want to close with this, because I've shared this with several people. With the world hurting on the level that it is, if you are not the hurting, if you are the one that the Lord is going to use to bring healing, listen up. Be that one. That one who forgives when deep offense has been committed. Be that one who loves when no one else does. Be that one who gives kindness to those who are mean. Oh, be kind to people when they're mean. Mm. Be that one who looks past the insult instead of seeing all the pain that motivated that insult. Be that one who shines light upon those in utter darkness. Because the impact of being that one runs far and wide. It brings healing to the wounded, joy to the sad, Hope to those in despair, be that one. Dr. Mitzi Berkeley was that one to me. Berkeley Frost. When my world was falling apart, Dr. Mitzi did this for me. And now I stand here today willing to do this for anybody. Anybody that needs it. Let's reproduce ourselves. Let's all learn what Dr. Mitzi taught us. And let's be the one that makes a difference in this world of people that are hurting.